You won't have access to a calculator everywhere you go. You'll have access to everything. All the knowledge. Our education system is broken, but how do we unlearn it? The future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. Tell me and I'll forget. Show me and I'll remember. Involve me and I'll understand. Information is cheap. Knowledge is expensive. Wisdom is priceless. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> we know you know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Epic Podcast, your weekly dose of mental foreplay. I'm Matt. I'm Jen. I'm Austin. I'm Kat. I'm Christina. I'm David. And this week, we are talking about education in the digital age. And I can't help but think back to some recent events that have transpired. You know, it was just a, a year or so ago that we had journalists telling you know, 50-year-old coal miners as their jobs disappeared that they needed to learn to code. And then this year, just recently, we've been hearing about how journalists have lost their job and people have taken them to test saying that they need to learn to code. Um, education is changing nowadays. Um, it's not just a, a young person's game anymore. It's something for everybody. You know, I think uh, we've gone from expecting just one or two or maybe three careers in a lifetime to many, maybe even a dozen. So education's changing. It's for everybody now. What's up, guys? <laughs> That's where we talk. Are we supposed to say something? <laughs> That's kind of the idea of a podcast in general. We, we, we say uh, things. And I like say things. Just That's just fun. Listening to Matt talk. Words. <laughs> I'm sorry for the lengthy intro. No, that was good. <laughs> I lost my. I had like ten points that I was going to so make. What, all we'll, just went. <laughs> we'll have an intermission. So you get to pop in your popcorn, and then we'll. Uh, Stretch, and then you can begin. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we could do a recap or maybe talk about something that is current in, in education that is going well, maybe, or okay, not. Okay. Take it away. Oh, I put myself on the spot <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yes. Well, I, th I think to, to give a little bit of of background for me. I'm actually um, a professional educator. Oh. I <laughs> you guys, come on. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, guys. We got a professional here. No. I think Austin has some wonderful points that he would love to ah. <laughs> <laughs> Coal miner. <laughs> Shouldn't they learn to code? <laughs> so you were saying? I just that I, I have taught in the classroom for a couple of years and I, I have been in kind of a leadership role currently with education and where education is steering. Um, and my focus is really early childhood and um, the practices that we do in early childhood are so beautiful and nurturing where children come to school and they get to play and they practice their manners and, and playing with children and socializing and they make a plan and they do choices they have block center and writing and, and all this stuff and then 
they get into kindergarten, it's, and it's sit down, be quiet and bubble in these bubbles. And um, it's just a complete polar opposite from early childhood to kindergarten. And I think exploring that topic and, and how that affects, you know, the culture that we have now and, and the population that are young adults that are moving into um, adulthood, but yet they're still hanging out at their parents' house. Um, I think on average, 16-year-olds, adolescents, they're, they're not getting their driver's license. And why is that? And how does that education play into all of those things where when they're not given the opportunity to learn and to make choices, all of a sudden we have really insecure adults trying to live independent lives and how that affects the culture that we live in. Hmm. For me, in my, in my process in this, I kind of, for the first time ever, kind of felt like, oh my gosh, there's, what, why do we even go to school? Why educate? It's, I think we all take, it's one of those things we all take for granted, like, well, of because you have to go to school, dummy. You're like, yeah, but why? Dude, I'm really good at filling in bubbles. I'm <laughs> the best. Right. Perhaps. I mean, I think, I think there's some obvious answers as far as learning how to read and write, learning basic math, you know, it is, I don't understand the need for advanced algebra for everybody, but I definitely think everyone needs to know that two plus two equals four. That's useful. You know, basic science, some basic understandings and overviews of history. And I get that. But at some point, it, that why ceases to be universal for every single student, right? And um, I think I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not the only one today in this podcast who's kind of seen the cookie cutter factory model of education that it is not working, especially in a society where we're so connected to the digital world, we're so connected to the information that we want, and we can easily uh, easily research the reasons why what we don't like is, you know, we're justified in not liking it, or what we like, we're justified in liking it. So the, the polarization of preference and the polarization of, of the need to feel, I don't know, heard, and you know that you actually are heard is it's made its way into the school system it's made its way to the education system and once you get past the basic functions the basic mechanics of being a human and being able to interact with society there's really only two other whys for me that that i kind of see one is to learn how to kind of live certain as you know you get into the arts you get into thing you know a lot of people go to school just because they want to expand their experience of being they are not doing it for for work or whatever. And then obviously the other one would be work. A lot of people go to school to learn how to do stuff in the workforce, which we just did a podcast episode about how the idea of work is going to be completely exploded in the next 20, 30 years. So even that is a big giant question as to what you do with education. Um, Because all of the whys are up in the air. I think too, when you're mentioning that we go to school early on to learn how to be a human there's none of that in there. Like we don't learn any, we learn science and we learn, there's a little bit of sex education, which is probably the closest we get to learning how to be a human, but there's not a lot of like, how do we relate to each other other than throwing you in the mix of a whole bunch of different kids and then trying to sort out the bullies or, you know, smooth things over. There's no, there's no classes or courses on how to relate or have healthy relationships or, um, how to deal with your own emotions in a healthy way other than, I don't know, breaking up fights, I guess, but there, there's not a lot of education on how to be 
like a functioning, like a well-rounded human being. Well, I mean, interpersonal skills aren't really important. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will when say, the last time you use those. Well, well actually, I kind of want to ask Jen a question. Like, do yeah. you know, uh, as far as like "quote unquote" philosophy of education, where, where, what are the priorities that um, that the school system that the that public the public school system has in regards to kids like what what do they want to do what what's the end product of 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 our education system is it just to you know barely you know drag them across the finish line type of a deal or or definitely i think right now there's you see transition as well um in the past it's been very reading math and um writing and that was really the day was focused on those three things and you were scheduled, you know, a 90 minute block to get your minutes in for your reading and your writing and they can't cross over and the math can't cross over and everything is just in its nice little box. Um, I think more recently things are starting to, to cross over. I'm really impressed with our, our daughters and our son's curriculum because they'll do reading time, but they're reading like science things and social studies things. And when I was in the classroom, I was like, why aren't we like double dipping and we have to read, let's read about social studies and science. Um, so I think they're getting it, but not getting it at a quick enough speed mm -hmm. to change for what is projected with mm. where our society is going. And to talk about a little bit about the social emotional learning, schools are bringing curriculums and, and strategies to how to relate with people, but it's this reactionary thing because there's so many behaviors that are escalating and there's so many kids coming in with seeing trauma that no child at that age should ever see and then they're bringing these things and trying to patch it whereas you really have to take it back to the the fundamental unit which would be the family and bringing the family back together and those parents together unifying that unit and then once that's strong enough then it can trickle into everything else but and that's that interpersonal skills we talked about so i think one of the problems when talking about the school system is that there's such a diversity of the way that schools handle things. And from what I'm seeing, it, a lot of it comes back to the teacher because mm -hmm. coming from a homeschool background myself, um, something that I value a lot is the, the diversity of ways of learning that are available in homeschooling and tailoring it to the child. And I'm seeing that teachers are starting to bring that in more and more into the classroom. Uh, I was watching a TED talk with a teacher who was basically taking a step back as, um, shoot, I don't think I wrote down his quote, but he, I, think it, I think he said, being a guide on the side instead of a sage on the stage. And I thought that was a cool awesome. uh, way to look at it. Like he was totally giving the students choice. He was empowering the students to learn. And it was a difficult thing that he undertook because he was having to um, create these different systems of learning. and no matter how the student chose, no matter what the student chose at what point in the year, um, he was, he had to make it so things would fit together properly so they would progress in the right way. But he was putting the power in their hands to choose how they were learning. And I thought that was really awesome. So it, it's apparent that some of the, the, um, the goals of homeschooling and the strengths of homeschooling is being brought into the classroom to some extent, which I think is really cool. Um, but for sure, I feel like teachers' uh, role has evolved or is evolving to be more of like an advisor or a learning coach as opposed to 
the classroom being centered around them and them just lecturing and stuff like that. I'm sure there's still plenty of teachers who, who do it that way, but I think the future is for the, the role of the teacher to evolve into more of a mentor from get go, as opposed to some teachers who are really focused on the relationship already. And I think that's really neat. And I think that I can see schools having a, a place in that capacity as a, as, a, as a place to go where you have access to a really good group of mentors and having that interaction. Even, even though you have like the, the digital classrooms, which is what our daughter does, um, she does all her learning online, you, there's still something currently at least, I'm sure it will evolve, but currently there's still something about the interpersonal um, in-person interaction that happens in a classroom, I think. Um, the adaptive learning tools that they're coming out with that um, that students can interact with, like as they're taking the test or as they're using this program, it's learning that kid's um, style, what they're lacking, what they're strong at, and then they can um, kind of correct or like they have an automatic response system built in um, and real-time data collection and then redirection based on the learner's choices that they make, if that makes more sense. So going with what Tina is talking about with the teacher being just kind of like a mentor role, like if you have all of these kids kind of plugged into these programs and the teacher's kind of overseeing, mm -hmm. the concept of no child left behind would actually be legit. Like kids would be learning what they need to learn every single day. They wouldn't get left behind because these programs can learn um, again, what they're lacking and what they're strong at and kind of correct the course for them individually. I think there's, it's something to mention the difference between knowledge mm -hmm. and I guess wisdom or understanding. I don't know what you would call the other thing, but basically the, you know, re routine knowledge versus creative knowledge or specialized personalized knowledge that, you know, a teacher in a modern system, largely the system we grew up in and that kind of manu you know, that manufacturing system was here is the, here's your multiplication tables. Here's your history book. Here's your, you know, this is the knowledge you need to know. And at this point, you know, one of the points that I had written down was that, you know, nobody in the future is going to hire you because of what you know. All you got to do is Google it. And then to David's hook point where, where he plugged in whatever that was to his head, like, you know, I know like Kung Fu. It was, it was like on the Matrix. Uh -huh. Right. So in the Matrix, you know. This is your brain USB. Yes. Which is it's a, it's a perfect reference because in the Matrix, Neo gets downloaded Kung Fu and then Morpheus goes, okay, let's see. And so they do that first fight and Morpheus goes, Interesting. So it's not your technique is the problem. And he like starts to tell, but basically Morpheus delivers the point like you you need to learn how to improvise. You need to learn how to mm -hmm. use the download you were just given. Mm -hmm. You know, Neo, you and I both got the same downloaded program of Kung Fu and I just beat you. Right. So it's not about what you know. It's about how you use what you know. And how are you going to learn that in that factory system? And so you have to be able to adaptively learn you have to have a mentor and a coach you you have to have i think it's beyond just the knowledge it also gets into you start asking help we need to invent and discover new ways to help children figure out what they're passionate about obviously you can have the you know i want to be a fireman i want to be a princess like that's pretty common 
but beyond that, like, how do you, when do you really start to get serious about, about um, mechanisms in which we help kids discover what, what really lights their fire? And I don't think, heck, we, I know 50% of the adults I know don't really know what their passion is, mm-hmm. right? But Much less the kid. In, in the same vein, I, uh, in my future life, um, I was working, I was working at a um, creamery, if you will. And uh, I was in charge of working. I was in charge of these, like these guys. Uh, they're they've been out of college for like, gee whiz, three or four years, and it was kind of painful to watch how they just did not know how to learn. They did not know mm. how to improvise, and it was like you know those little wind up toy robots that would walk up to the wall and bang against the wall, and then bang <laughs> against the wall, and then bang. And I'm like thinking here, guys, what the heck, you know, if, if you can't figure it out, uh, if, if it's not working, we'll try to, you know, troubleshoot a little bit, or, but it wasn't even that, you know, it was like, oh, this isn't working. I can't do anything, you know, and, and I feel like that's, that's a mentality that you need to instill when they're children, you know, if something is not working, we'll try to figure out why it's not working. Don't, don't expect everything to be handed to you. Don't expect all this knowledge just to be given to you and and force fed. Can I offer a, what I like, okay. So information versus knowledge. What I ran into was like, was what my hook was like information is cheap. Anyone can access information, knowledge. So like information is potential. And knowledge is, is what you do with that information. So that's where I think what you were saying earlier, Austin, like differentiation, differentiation between knowledge and, and information, like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, totally. Is wisdom something different? Sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. What? Certainly. Then what would wisdom, because I guess in my mind, I always, knowledge was something that, you know, like you learned it and. I have it in my head and knowledge, but wisdom was that application piece. And I think there's, there's, it. I feel like there's kind of like three steps. Cause there's, I feel like there's emotional intelligence that goes into that whole thing because mm-hmm. like understanding how to use that knowledge in a given situation. Right. Not just so knowledge is like a broader it. understanding of like a specific thing. And wisdom is more of like an overarching across life type of thing like you can take wisdom and use it in different types of knowledge um even if you apply wisdom even if you apply wisdom to a specific subset of information it could still you know i'm you know you can have a wise aerospace engineer Mm -hmm. right in the sense that they've been around long enough to face the problems to 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 go beyond either they may be a fool when it comes to their their home life but when it comes to that particular set of knowledge they can have wisdom um, and problem solving capacity. And then obviously, yes, there is a wisdom of, of being a human in general, which is hard to find. <laughs> I think, I think what that, that engineer you're talking about is able to do is put things in context. Like they, they've been there, they've done that. They know, you know, the process of how things should go. And, you know, my background come, is I have a very generalist degree. It's a little bit of biology, a little bit of chemistry, a little bit of geology, a little bit of meteorology, lots of ecology where it all, you know, like where you figure out the relationships between it all and you understand the, the niches in between and why things work, how they work. And you can see the relationship in the community and you understand that it's not, you know, things don't operate in, in vacuums or bubbles. 
you know, a community depends on a diversity of things going on there. Mm-hmm. I want to backtrack just a little bit to um, what Austin and, and David were saying about, I forgot what your guys' points were, <laughs> but I remember mine. <laughs> That's matters, I guess. But um, like in theory, our education should be more complete because of Google. Like we have access to literally everything and anything we would want to know. But kids these days know that they can just Google it and they just copy and paste the first thing that comes up. Like they're not learning things and they're not learning how to um, like take that information and compile it. Like they have trouble forming complete sentences on their own and they have trouble. They do forming. I I have a friend that's a teacher and I talked to her about this Saturday night. I was like, so what are your thoughts on uh, education in the digital age? And um, she's like, they can't, they can't form complete sentences for themselves. LOL. Right. They can't spell anymore because of spell check. They can't, they don't have well, to. And they don't even teach spelling now. They're like, oh, they have autocorrect for that. And oh, for well, so real question. <laughs> I mean, is it as necessary of a skill? If, if I, I can speak from firsthand. If you aren't close enough to even get the Google search to be like, is this the word Try again. I mean, just bringing up, you know, talking about technology, digital age. I mean, like Grammarly as an example. You know, I, I used to pride myself in my grammar. There's, there's something I'm, though, the I'm power of what David was talking about with that reasoning skills and that thought process. So if a computer is constantly telling me how to spell something, where to put that comma, I'm not thinking, why is that comma there? Why is that phonetically there? I'm u- not using those skills to think and process. And then when I get in the real life and I have to do something quickly, I have to figure out why milking the cows isn't working or whatever I'm doing. Like, I mean, yeah, there's no, there's no problem solving skills being, those are the little, like the little reps to get to the, should I cross the street? Is there a car coming? I don't know. Like, I I just just want to kind of give a little bit of power to the ability. (laughs) (laughs) So we, we, it, technology is allowing us to spend less energy on, 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 on tweaking our grammar and then causing us to also kind of shift in a way to make sure that we're getting our messages in under 280 characters or whatever it is. So today I learned LMK, let me know. Like, Oh wow. That's something probably a lot of people knew already, but I mean, that's it's so my knowledge base has, has needed to shift to accommodate where things are going. Text speak. Sure. <laughs> See mm. the, the only, the thing that, that I'm, that I was, that was going through my head when I was, when Jenna was talking was, well, if, if you do follow the reasoning of making it so that somebody figures out, knows how to problem shoot, if you will, can end up, yeah, I know, can end up with people that don't know how to spell worth the darn because they will only learn as much as they need to learn. Right. Cash prize spelling bees, bro. It's the future. Right. So, well, and thinking about it, like, so we get to this society that is so dependent on AI and then like doomsday happens. I know it's not going to, but what if like the computers go away and then like all of a sudden we have this whole generation that's basically illiterate because they've always been like, hey, Siri, figure out whatever. Whatever. <laughs> the computer in my Faraday cage will be <laughs> just fine. <laughs> did, you, did you guys ever see um, Mortal Engines? Okay, this is, it's not going to give it away, but it's set like a thousand years in the future. It's set a thousand years in the future, and it's basically the ancients that they refer to as our generation, 
right? Mm-hmm. And and um, <laughs> there's this scene where they're like, it's there's fighting over ancient tech, right? Mm-hmm. And they find they have like this museum of different ancient <laughs> yes exactly so, oh, so no. but there's there's a museum where like they have this like the uh the minions they have like two giant minion statues and they're like these were their gods and then like <laughs> uh, but one of the things is it shows like an old smartphone i don't know if that, probably an iphone and uh, the 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 tour guides like and we're not even sure if they knew how to read and write <laughs> because like studying our technology there there's no something like and it's probably a good chance that they probably forgot how to read and write by this point or something like that it was i was just like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh it's just a little (laughs) and then i think about wally right yeah the the all the fat people on the Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i do you guys remember i'm trying to remember the little they had they showed a little cut scene of a little classroom where the babies were there and if i remember it they were teaching the babies how to use the chairs (laughs) <laughs> like that was what the babies were learning mm-hmm. right because that's what's relevant I, I mean, and that may be a misquote of the movie and somebody who listens to this might get all offended by it being wrong but not, it's not the point the point is i think we could see that even if they weren't like if if we get so reliant on technology we, at what point do you go wait a minute you know I think that there's a really beautiful chance to make technology work i mean it, it, we're going to it's just going to take some some growing pain, kind of learn how to use it to our advantage instead of causing all of this stuntedness in our youth. But there's like, there's awesome apps where teachers can like make little game quizzes on their phone. And then the kids can like, depending on, on the curriculum that they're using now or whatever they're teaching at the moment, they can make up a quiz and then the kids can kind of compete against each other for points. And they're like, there's, there's a lot that we can do with this. And there's, communication is better now between like parents and teachers like you can check your kids grades at any time you don't have to wait for I don't know how often report cards come in anymore but um, I think there's a lot of really like beautiful opportunity for making education better than it's ever been especially with personalizing it to each kid and how how they learn and what they need at any given time like I'm excited about it we just have to do it right we have to be smart about it right you know to take it today i got a call from my son's teacher while i was jumping on the trampoline with him oh. see that was my, my parents couldn't get that call they couldn't get that call jumping on the trampoline with their kid. <laughs> but, I, but i was able to get you know real-time data on him not doing his job in school today she's probably like this explains a lot <laughs> <laughs> I just you know can't stop won't stop when it comes to jumping on the tramp. <laughs> I think to your point, Matt, about um, being able to to get the information when you need it. Um, those like one of the kid, uh, a kid of one of the people that I listened to were saying like, or he was saying the kid's sentiment was basically like, why should I learn something just in case when I can learn it just in time? Like the kid didn't say that, the dad was saying mm-hmm. that, but it was the concept of that. And while I think there is certainly merit to that, and I agree with you that to some extent, not having to retain all these details and um, huge amounts of information, it kind of can make room, I think, for some of the deeper thinking and everything. If we utilize technology properly, there is still something to be said for 
information that you just access in the moment um, is not as relevant to your situation or is not able to be applied in the way that something that is able to marinate is if you have it in your memory, if you can recall it in your memory, if it's something that's actually personal to you or that you took time to, that was one of the other things that one of the people I was listening to was saying something about you have input, so much input now that kids don't know, well, people in general don't know what to do with it. You kind of just have to output it. It's almost like in one ear, out the other. And there's no, the term he decided to coin, I think, was interput. You have the input and you have the output, but you don't have the, the interput. You don't have enough interput. Um, and that's, that's something that I'm really curious how we're going to solve that problem because so far I don't feel like there's been a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe you guys ran across stuff where people are trying to figure out how to process this information in a better way like all of the, the influx of information. See, what I was, uh, the, the question that I have been getting here is, are we gonna have a society full of people that are very, um, that are experts in certain areas and that are not that good at other areas, in a sense? <clears throat> Going back to more specialized. Yeah, it, it, a, a world full of, of, of specialists and there's, there's not going to be as much movement in between uh, different fields. If you start, if you start a kid and say, okay, what do you want to learn? And then just let them learn what they want to learn. Then they will inevitably, and maybe I'm making an assumption here. I don't know. A child psychologist, whoever, maybe I'm way off, but anyways, Mm -hmm. but what I, what what I would see would be this kid say blue cars and he's a blue car specialist and he can tell you every single piece of the blue cars and how many blue cars there are in the world or whatever you know but he can't tell you anything about purple cars I feel like that would be a personality thing to a large extent though like some people are very prone to hyper focus and then others are just like Right. I think that's kind of the case now. Like it, it yeah. takes so long to learn anything that you really have to dedicate. We've talked about this uh, before with jobs. Like you have to dedicate your, all of your time to learning one thing. You would have to, to be an expert on blue cars, you would have to devote a lot of time to studying and learning about blue cars. But now with information being so readily available, if that's something that you are passionate about, it would take a fraction of the time to become an authority on blue cars. And so that if it did change, like I think that because a lot of automation is gonna take over like the menial jobs that you would have to learn that craft, a lot of our knowledge and a lot of our jobs are going to be digital. And so once you kind of have a foundation of digital knowledge, like wouldn't that be more easily transferable instead of like going from a train conductor to a nurse, like you would be able to talk about blue cars and then it wouldn't take much time to learn about purple cars it's in the same you know I mean, what i mean like all, if it's mostly digital knowledge it's kind of in the same wheelhouse to go with the same car and you know metaphor here i don't personally i went from not knowing how to work on cars at all to changing my own brakes and such and and then with youtube and car, like car forums i ended up doing a transmission oh, wow. all Dang. sorts of things and then we bought a, a newer vehicle. So we fortunately had to do all that all the time. And 
when it came time to actually, um, you know, when we were buying the vehicle, I went ahead and got the extended warranty because it's a, there's a lot more going on electronically in, in vehicles nowadays. And there are, it's, it's far more specialized. And so I went from being able to do things to not being able to do things because of technology improving. I mean, it, it was, it was a really weird kind of track to be on, but now I, I don't even feel comfortable touching that, ve- that vehicle at all. I don't want him. Um, <laughs> but to going back to that, it's like, why do we have specialists? Is it because we have these people that are zoned in on purple cars, blue cars, or is it because the more specialized we can do, the more we can charge to get that part, the more that we can charge for that labor. And we're getting this economic benefit because we have this focus. And if we're that specialized, then you have to go to school and get this piece of paper for that, that career, as opposed to anyone watching a YouTube video to do it. I mean, that's really getting down how it is right now, the specialist thing, because it is a, it is a real thing. You look at the medical field, you look at education field, you look at fields where they're specialists, you can't just hop tracks. It pushes you back. Yeah, it's because those specialists have to know more though. It's not like, you know, you can go to a general position and I'm not going to go to that general position for open heart surgery. I will tell you, I taught kindergarten. I went on maternity leave. I came back and I was told I'm not qualified to teach kindergarten. Those are pretty drastically different examples though. I'm just saying when you have a specialized (laughs) field with, with specialized certificates, why, why is that? Because I needed to have a certificate saying that I was qualified to teach kindergarten and it's literally, is that maybe it's before. just a stupid regulation thing though? Like clearly you were still qualified, right? I mean, no, I like I'm literally, literally qualified. Like I had to teach a different grade, we but were, I mean, like, was it because, because of some sort of a, like standards or it was a law that was, thing? that was changed, but I literally went from being able oh, to teach kindergarten to not being teaching kindergarten because uh-huh. it was whatever. Um, and I think those are two, you know, drastically different things. You're talking about one's, one's built on a deeper knowledge base requirement and another's built on government bureaucracy. Right. Is there a difference at the moment? Yes. I mean, are you going to your, your gynecologist for a open heart surgery? Or do you prefer they stay in their lane? But if, if, <laughs> if, <laughs> if, lane is very loose. Let's term. stick with blue cars. <laughs> if down the road, psychologists will say there's proven data that as we grow and mature, our, our personality changes, our, des- our interests change. And that's why you get like midlife crisis because people out of all of a sudden they're, they're, their thinking changes and so if we're getting so zoned in on blue cars and then when I hit 45 I'm like you know what I want to do orange cars now but is it easy just to switch lanes like that I don't know well I was as a as a perennial perennial (laughs) what's the right word millennial I'm a constant entrepreneur entrepreneur. do you change your cereal a renaissance man <laughs> there's a p word in there i can't think of it purple cars so anyway <laughs> purple car entrepreneur yes yes but as an entrepreneur like i freaking come up with new ideas all the time and the idea of but i've learned how i've learned how to be diverse and yet i have a cousin love dearly he's is he is an aerospace engineer and he has loves his field he doesn't plan on switching that field anytime soon he's you know gaining wisdom in that industry he's gaining experience so this is the thing about the education system right 
So you get your kind of cookie cutter individuals and you get your, I don't want to be here. This is crazy and this is driving me nuts to individuals, right? And you get everything in between. I, I saw, you know, it was uh, kind of a bell curve of the idea of like certain, a certain amount of students. I think they said 63% of students are disengaged. Mm-hmm. That you've got half of those 63%, you know, so you're 31.5%. Look, I know math. Uh, you know, 31 and a half percent are more advanced than, than the average student. And so they're bored, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And 31 and a half percent can't keep up. So they're also disengaged for lack of, like they can't. Mm-hmm. So you get that, you know, maybe a certain percentage that can actually really engage in school and engage in what it was invented for or designed for. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do? I mean, that's why they did No Child Left Behind and they only made it worse. Um, and so I think that's the, this, the technology can give us, in my opinion, it's obvious that the, the technology has the capacity to do what we want it to do. And part of it is that we need to figure out what we want it to do. And humans have developed a system that's already not doing so hot. And so Unless the, unless some divine AI is going to invent the new education system, we're going to have to we're going to have to invent a new education system that allows for flexibility and in in every single way, and that is that's organic. That's what organic systems do, yeah. right? The earth the earth responds to to where it needs heat and cold and water and you know, all this stuff. That's and our human systems largely especially coming out of the industrial age mm-hmm. are so uh, mechanistic mm-hmm. and they are, well, you've got a cog here and a cog here and a belt there, and this is how it works. And you don't move. You can't exchange cogs and the belt sure as heck can't slip or else it won't work. And well, what if the cog says, I don't want to be a cog anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and that is, we don't have a system that's preparing anybody for that world. I think with the, with the digital age and technology and stuff coming into things more and again AI and, and robots taking over our jobs and stuff like that it's going to free us up to we don't have to be cogs anymore the, the world isn't going to come to a screeching halt if we're not in those those production things or we're not stuck only on blue cars like we're going to have a lot more freedom as human beings to kind of go after what we're passionate about like your cousin being he's super passionate about aerospace engineering and so he gets to do that and he might, he might be there forever. And that's, like you said, that type of person that's happy with what they're doing. And so it's like the uh, technology is freeing us up to follow our passions and our dreams instead of just being stuck as a cog forever. And I think that part of the education system will eventually have to train up the younger generations to be able to, A, find their passion and be supported in that, but also learn how to... Um, kind of flow with life if they do want to do 12 different careers in a lifetime because they're passionate about different things or they come up with new ideas all the time and they're a serial entrepreneur like or perpetual is that what it was <laughs> that was the word you found your word <laughs> no. um I, I think it is exciting it's it's scary right now because we're not doing so hot with um, like the cell phone addiction, like in class, there was some study I saw, it was just on Facebook, I think that I saw the post, but it was something this, this um, teacher had like a whiteboard and had his students turn on their phones 
for the full hour. And every time a notification came in, they had to like come up to the front and like mark whether it was like Snapchat or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And so through that uh, study that he did, like on average of that one hour, kids were interrupted 45 times mm -hmm. by their cell phones uh, or like some notification or whatever. So <laughs> I forgot my points. <laughs> But there you have it. <laughs> there you have it. I mean, I'm curious <laughs> what you guys have found as far as options for somebody that wants to learn right now. Say there's somebody that like, hey, I'm, I'm a self-directed learner. Where, where, what options do I have? Lots. Like the epic.org. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what I mean, you mean. That's, that, that that's was, what that we're... Softball. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much... Oh, research team for our viewers and listeners so they can listen to the podcast and then go to the blogs to to read more if they want and we're also curating videos to correlate correlate with what we're speaking with so that's a, a good start and if anyone wants to go broader go for it yeah you got stuff like you to me linda yeah linda, i think it's pronounced linda yeah, yeah. yeah it. toots plus um site. Did you say dudes I mean, plus? Toots plus or tuts oh. plus. Oh. Tuts. Tutorials. Okay. Tuts. Toots. Tuts. Yeah, and that's and those are all just self guided. And then you've obviously got like full on university yeah, online learning. Yeah. Education. But that's the thing. I mean, Google it. Yeah. And that's yeah. here's 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 the it's a catch twenty two, right? Google it. We are going back here, we are back full circle to the idea of well, that's great. I'm just, why, why I learn it until I need it. And you don't have any time for it to marinate. I don't know what that word was, Christina, that you mentioned. Yeah, uh, interput. Inter oh, interput. Yeah. <laughs> um, between the input and the output, mm -hmm. you know, cause I can't count how many times sitting around a table. I'm like, well, I don't know this. Let me go Google it. And I uh, input output. If I need to recall that fact tomorrow, I don't remember it. Right. There's right. something to be said though too with um because I homeschooled my son as well and we looked into unlearning like the unlearning um concept where they kind of choose what they want to learn and the and the idea is that once they're interested in something and they need to, or they want to know that information for whatever reason, they actually learn and retain it better. Mm -hmm. So if like they you don't teach them about presidents until they see like a penny and they're like, Who's this on the penny? I don't know, let's look it up. And because they're interested in it and they're leading leading that quest they actually retain the information better so mm -hmm. i'm not a scientist and i don't make up words like interput to know <laughs> if i'm onto something or not but i still think that there's something to um if it's something that you need and you have that real life for instance that like oh i had to look this up to tell somebody whatever i actually remember that stuff better than because i don't remember anything i learned in school I kind of right. like that concept you bring up there, Kat, uh, turning learning into a quest, gamifying it. Um, real question for all you guys here. How valuable is a college education now? I mean, we've been kind of talking about other options. I, I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. Sure. Uh, yes, very. So if you're, your ideal profession does not require a, a paper, a piece of paper that says that you're qualified, is college worth it? <laughs> so it sounds like a no-brainer like, I mean, that debt is <laughs> no yeah. i mean I, I know i know for me like the, the knowledge that comes in handy that i think is longer lasting is is silly as silly as it may sound is something like 
the ability to do arithmetic quickly. Yes, I have a calculator on me all the time now. Like my teacher said I wouldn't. But <laughs> the fact that somebody says, oh, we got 15 in each box. We have five boxes. How many, how many have? And I can just say 75. Like that's, to me, that's, that's valuable because that's where I'm going to save time in. Um, well, and you look better than everybody else. Right. Oh, when we think you're super really clever. Good. But but that's what's important to you. Like having that on the Looking spot. Looking better than everybody else? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Clearly. Well, I will say I, I envy his math, mental math skills because they're not existent for me. Um, and that's just an ability thing. And I wish that mm-hmm. I could. Oh. Oh. Maybe you just don't care. Yeah. Well, I'm just like, I, was, I wasn't trying to start a fight. I was just trying to say <laughs> That that's something like I like being able to do that too, and that's important to me just because I like, like it makes me feel well rounded, and it makes me feel like I can think on the spot. <laughs> Obviously, not about sentences, but we'll leave it. <laughs> um, but that's important to Matt, so that's something that he can cultivate. And a lot of like, I was kind of half half assed homeschooled, and so a lot of what I know now I learned as an adult because it's important to me. And I've learned and retained that stuff way more because it's something that I went after and I was passionate about um, instead of just having things shoved down my throat because I had to so I could pass that class and move on to the next one and get out of that teacher's hair into the next one. And there's something to be said with teachers being so overwhelmed with the number of students in their class that there's no possible way that they can give each kid the attention that they need to make sure that they don't get left behind. Mm-hmm. So having digital curriculums and stuff like that um the teacher that i was talking about earlier like she can she can instead of being stuck at the front doing a slideshow on a projector she can um control the projector from her phone and so she can be wandering around the class and talking to each student and spending time with each one um and controlling the class because they get out of hand and she's an art teacher but i don't know um (laughs) so being able to do that so the technology is helping in a lot of ways it's just it's also very distracting um, in other ways. And I wonder, mm-hmm. I think about the, the interput, is that what they called it, the interput? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because you get that satisfaction of being able to recall that mental math really quickly. And how does that correlate with kind of the mental health that we're seeing? Like if I'm not interested in what you're trying to spoon feed me, and I'm not really interested in reading or learning anything at all, but I have this all of a sudden, this self-worth that's plummeting because I don't value anything or I'm not feeling productive or whatever. I wonder how those correlate. I'm curious how much it, it goes both ways, not just for the students, but for the teachers as well. Like how hard is it to be in a classroom where the kids don't give a rip about what you're talking about? Well, mm. the last year I was an elementary teacher in third, I was teaching third grade and the state in which we were living with in was moving the next following year. If they didn't pass the reading tests, they didn't pass third grade. I had two boys that were very, very bright at the beginning of the year, top of the class. No, no, no worries in my mind. Um, And then mid first quarter, both parents divorced. And no matter what I did or said or tried, there was no motivation there. And they went from the top to, they didn't pass the reading test. And if it was the next year, they wouldn't have passed third grade. So while we say technology is great and, you know, all these things are great. If, if those interpersonal relationships aren't great, it kind of messes with us. 
But if we have more ways to free up teachers' time so that they're not so overwhelmed by having 30 kids to look after in an hour, they would be able to build those relationships a little bit better, I think, and a little bit more one-on-one time. Especially if, like, most of the grading and stuff is done. um, Electronically on the spot, yeah. Yeah, and that's a lot less pressure and time. Because teachers and I think I read some, like they do more overtime, unpaid overtime than anybody. And they put in more wow. money of their, out of their own pocket to pay for school supplies and stuff like that, which I don't know how that's going to change digitally. But um, <laughs> just the time invested and the workload and the pressure that was put on, par- on teachers by parents and by the, the Board of Education or whatever, what they're expected to do and then what the resources they're given to be able to do that is really unfair and really stressful and so i would love to see more technology um, free them up to do what they're passionate about as well which is probably more of the interpersonal definitely and i I think uh, you know teachers in general are are pretty fantastic people um they're they're trying to make a positive difference it's not like this is a current education model is a failure because of them i don't think any of us are saying that Um, I think one of the really cool things that technology is allowing, for example, what, what you're saying there, Kat, is you know our daughter will, will bring home a spelling test, and it's something that she typed in to her the, the classroom iPad, and it was automatically graded. Like I'm like right now, there you're saving so much time because I remember we after the spelling test, everybody like swapped papers around, and now you're grading your the person next to you's test or whatever <laughs> it is, and that's just more time that you didn't have to do, to move on. So. This keeps touching back on, I don't know, it, 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 it always seems to circle back around some of the more unseen aspects of education, um, things that can't be put on a test, such as the emotional side of life, mm-hmm. the spiritual side of life, the interpersonal side of life. Like you can't really test that stuff as input-output knowledge, right? And it is, and, and the problem solving and everything that comes out of it, and that's the thing. I don't know. I haven't heard a lot of a lot of talks, and I've listened to quite a few, and um, obviously have really studied this question, this kind of question in the spiritual arena. But as far as the education system, it's it's. I don't know when they did this, but I you know, I remember hearing that my, you know, my mom and my grandma had to learn. You know, there was things like wood shop and home ec and. How to, how to balance your checkbook and all that. And, and so I get like there's some certain life skills is a whole other thing, though that's a little bit more testable. But like what do you do with, and this is a question to the ether as much as it is to you guys, like what do you do with the fact that we've kind of been locked into the idea that, oh, education is, a cer- it's information. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, as I think it's been come on multiple times, like your, the parents get divorced or, the kids graduate and they don't know how to relate. They don't know how to solve a problem and they bump into the walls at work because they don't know how to problem solve. Like all of these different examples keep coming back to, I don't even, I think technology is going to fix a lot of the information challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kat, you made some amazing points about what is possible. Yet what happens when you have a world where anybody can download Kung Fu yet, I'm a miserable person to live with, right? I think that, again, freeing, freeing up your ability to learn more and faster and having more time, like, 
and being less physical in our work because it's going to kind of go towards Wally, hopefully not the, the whole, <laughs> but, but there has to be a return to the responsibility of parents in teaching those things. And I think that obviously not everybody, and I don't want to make anybody mad, but a lot of parents are like, okay, my kid goes to school from this time to this time. That's when they learn things. And, you know, by the time everybody gets home, like do your homework and they'll help with if they need it. But how much time is spent on educating them with the rest of the stuff and like the emotional things and inter interpersonal things and spiritual things mm. has to, there has to be that reconnect instead of like, oh, my kid learns from, you know, eight to four at school or whatever and then they come home and it's just home time like I feel I feel like I would be responsible for spiritual and emotional aspects of things I mean see to, to be clear I don't I don't want my kids learning about spiritual things at a government school but even then I'm not talking about it in a sure. knowledge sure I'm talking about you are a spiritual being so it's not just like oh can you recite you know the latest Rumi, po you know poem. I don't. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, it's the idea of, um, I, you know, so, <laughs> disc personality profiles, or personality plus. Like, mm -hmm. teach some person. You know, teach kids. Hey, you know, there's different types of people in the world. Uh, yeah, <laughs> do, do. Lemon leadership. Like all these different ideas of like, there's and it, and it helps you as a spiritual being and i don't like i said I, I went to a christian school so there was the spiritual side of stuff i went to you know i did have the bible this and we had chapel every tuesday and we and so there was a spiritual component that the parents obviously sloughed off on the school to say well, or they guess, paid for it huh? they, paid. <laughs> they did pay for it i mean heck and i know i don't know about i don't know how many but i definitely had a lot of friends that they didn't get spirituality at home so they actually did get in a school because the parent, because it was a good school on top of being a Christian school. It was, and so the parents that may not have been person, you know, personally spiritual themselves. All right, fine. If you're going to talk to Jesus, do it at the school, you know, but <laughs> point being, I digress. The point being is I don't, I don't necessarily mean personality information or spiritual information or any kind. It's, it's the stuff you can't test. Mm -hmm. And we have, very little classes on that. Well, I was going to say, like, I'm just going to say, it. if you think about it, isn't school something like Lord of the Flies? <laughs> <laughs> Whoever because, has the conch shell. Yeah. You're, you're talking about, a, you're, you're talking about a huge aspect, aspect, <clears throat> sorry, of a person's life, the intrapersonal relationships. And who is teaching that other than the kids themselves? Because right. the teacher does not spend the whole time that they are at school with the children individually. We're asking one person to, 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 um, to be in charge of how many kids? 20? Depends on the state, sir. It depends on the state. <laughs> so, I mean, think about it. Like, okay, who am I, who, who am I learning from about how to treat other people? No, totally. There are some kids. What? Oh. Oh, it was I'm me sorry. saying cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the ether. Those are fighting words, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, like, 
family. Well, and so like this is this is a, a very big part of, of the kid's life. And the, I mean, man, gee whiz, I, I taught my daughter's Sunday school oh. way back when. <laughs> Not so way back when, but there are some kids in there <laughs> that I wanted to punch. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm thinking, how how do public school teachers, how do teachers do this? Because I want to kill each and every one of these kids except for my daughter. This was a Sunday school class. And wow. this was a Sunday school <laughs> class. At least they weren't reading your Calvin and Hobbes books. Right. <laughs> we do really go Calvin and Hobbes. I mean, David, if you want to take some advice from a guy who's coaching two teens right now, just make them run. Okay. Yeah. Make them run. Darn. <laughs> okay, three laps around the church. But, I, I, will, oh, I thought you meant like chase them in a threatening way. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you I'm like, I guess I would warm up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, are, they are starting to implement or bring in things like yoga and mindfulness into schools and they're seeing really amazing. Mm-hmm. You just reminded me of something I saw. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> Go for it. But, I'll stop. I saw this. I didn't even do it for this research. It was uh, a whole mindfulness program that they're trying in England. Mm. Um, What's and, it called? You've seen it. I have seen it. Okay. Never mind. I feel like we, yeah. I, oh boy. I'm not even going to try. No clue. I literally saw it like maybe three years ago, mm. but it, it was really impressive of what they were getting these kids to like stop, consider, you know, reflect on their day, reflect on what they've learned, reflect on a conflict they had, you know, on the playground or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff, like then you interview these kids, and you're like, damn. Like, that was, <laughs> like that's legit. You know, so. No, like I, I, I wrote down mindfulness on my paper like a couple minutes ago and just because it's, it's a thing that I know they've been working with in the schools. Yeah. And uh, yeah, getting kids to stop and breathe and just yeah. calm, calm things down. And I, I will say, and I, I will stop and belly breeze. Okay, five. Because there are strategies that work at any age. And I think that's helps, helpful when you are in a situation where you don't want to do kind things to people. Going back again to the digitalness that's coming into the schools and how much time that frees up can now be spent on mm. on adding those things, mm-hmm. and so making sure that we have time to cultivate our, the spirituality of these kids and um, mindfulness and things like that. Like, I'm I kind of excited. Like, yeah, it's shit right now. But when you learn a new language, you don't speak fluently the first day. So we're going to take some time to... This is the issue that I'm, like, we're still talking about applying these things to the the children's school day. And they're still within the quote-unquote Lord of the Flies settings. Because they'll have Lord of the Flies at school, come home, mom and dad are like, leave me alone. I had a horrible day. Go and go be in your room or go and play somewhere. So, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, on top of the fact that we have a ton of millennials being parents at, the, at this moment. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it in the, it, it's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's go with uh, what's his face. Um, uh, what's Simon his Sinek. Simon Sinek saying it, through no fault of their own, it was the bad hand that they got dealt, but they're millennials nonetheless, don't necessarily understand responsibility or whatever, mm-hmm. or whatever the uh, idea that they have, but they are the ones that are parenting kids right now. And so 
we have Lord of the Flies at school and then they come home and their parents aren't necessarily well-versed in guiding them into good relationships i don't know i mean the my my thing is like how what can we do to fix that problem because it is a very big problem there 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 are a lot of parents that work two jobs or you know some maybe even three jobs and so automation a lot of kids will that, that don't have right. any right. sort of influence well and i think i think it goes back to education because i think about different types of parenting styles so you've got like the helicopter parent who like follows the kid around and they never have any choice or whatever and then you've got like the free range parent who's like do whatever you want willie good luck um and then anywhere <laughs> in between right um and i think just calling that out because a lot of times it's like well this is how i'm doing the opposite of what my parents did because they just backhand me every time i did something and so i'm going to give my child this positive nurturing thing by not giving them any parameters research shows that if you give expectations and some kind of parameters kids will flourish in that because it's that that guiding practice like i i was successful and now i can take that skill that i learned it and hopefully transport it to the next time i have a, a conflict or whatever and i can um, use that lesson to the next lesson kind of thing and so if we're we're communicating and we're teaching and we're saying hey this is this is what works and, and these are the different venues you don't have to go hardcore authoritarian parent but you can do a little bit of authoritarian sometimes and then you can be free range sometimes and there's this ebb and flow based on what the child needs and the situation calls for and then all of a sudden if we, if we have this community where we can talk and share those things it's it's not like today I wanted to, to beat my kids, but I took a step back and I was like, oh, I didn't do it. And then he's like, Hey, I, I did the same thing. Hey, we talked about it. Whoa, don't drag me into this. But you know, there's, <laughs> that, there's the education piece and then it's, it's getting together and reflecting on, on what it is and sharing the learning process. And that's what it drives forward, changing of thoughts and changing of ways. Um, and then I, AI taking over and we don't have to do anything. Okay. Yes. With, um, <laughs> If we did start implementing this in every classroom across the country, we're talking one generation until it's changed. So millennials, I still think that they are a very important generation and we're yeah. just <laughs> have a skewed lens of, for their purpose because they're so different than the baby boomers, um, which is what we need because it's yeah. not working anymore either. But so if we are, are starting this with the children now, then we're again we're talking one generation before there is drastic change in spirituality and people how people handle themselves and how they relate to each other and there's nothing to say that those children that are learning it at school during the day wouldn't it bring it home and and practice those things at home which depending on the parents can rub off, off on the parents or make them more mindful or um I don't know. Like, I don't think it's a hopeless endeavor. I think for sure if we started doing that, it wouldn't be very long before we saw some really amazing change. I think entrepreneurs would agree with you in the sense that like kids that, it may not be natural for us to ask Siri or ask Google something, but kids that are growing up in a world where, you know, since they were just a couple years old, can have the ability to, to ask Siri something or ask Google something, um, you know, when they are the adults a generation later, Mm -hmm. like that's going to be how things operate that's going to be the main flow i guess my concern about the whole thing um is when i look at the teacher population there's definitely two different tracks you know the older the older teacher and the younger teacher and, and until the generations shift 
there's not going to, you're not going to see an overall blanket change of everyone's using um, technology and everyone's being very child led in their teaching. And I'm afraid that that transition isn't going to be fast enough for where AI is taking us and where we should be. Um, And then also looking at the teacher um, crisis where teachers are leaving the profession at an exponential rate and they're not coming into the profession because of pay, salary, time, resources. Kat has a question. I'm going to throw it to her. I'm waiting. No, I was silently (laughs) just letting you know. um, (laughs) I'm going to say all the bad things and you can say the positive things. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm I'm usually, I don't know. I'm surprised how positive I am with this and how excited the possibilities of this would be. So we have a whole slew of underpaid and underappreciated teachers right now that are struggling to get these messages across. And then we have a handful or a couple hundred of really gifted communicators and really gifted people that are super passionate and super um, adept at transferring pure knowledge. So with digital technology, we can have classes from the people that are super gifted and passionate about it. So you'll have a couple hundred teachers instead of thousands and thousands of thousands that were trying to fund and they're not enough. And you can have digital classrooms and you can take your kids to the Louvre if you want to and do a virtual tour. Like it's just limitless. And the fact that we can have more honor and I can't think of the word, but appreciate the teachers that we have instead of running them ragged because there's not enough. I think that there's a lot of possibilities there too with technology to really oh my gosh I mean, if you're if you're an excellent communicator this talks about this goes into the i don't know two episodes ago i think it was two episodes ago where i talked about the youpreneur right mm-hmm. and the idea that um you know if you are the expert in blue cars then you have an opportunity to become the teacher of the world on blue cars mm-hmm. because you have the internet and you can create a brand around yourself and you can create there are there are teachers on platforms like Udemy that pull in 3 million a year because they they teach that subject better than anybody. Right. I think it's uh, some of them are like in, in programming, you know, entry level to certain programming, stuff like that. So, but if you want to, if you are an amazing communicator on history, you know, and you can, and you can set yourself apart as being uh, dynamic and, and, you know, you have to have additional skill sets other than just being able to write on a chalkboard anymore. Mm-hmm. You need you need to have a team of people, you know, and you need to go digital if you're going to do it. But I don't know about you. If 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 I had kids, I would I would love to find certain teachers of certain subjects online and go, you know, ask the kids like, do you like this? Do you like this? You know, is, you. Oh, I, I feel like I heard that last year, but this is way more entertaining. Yeah. Awesome. You know, I mean, that's, then don't even get started on things like history channel and, you know, discovery channel and all this where you can start getting so many other pieces of information and perspective and modern updated information and everything like that mm-hmm. when you use those things and you don't need to have, you know, we have 50 States. Let's say there's, I don't know how many hundreds of kindergarten teachers in every state. So 8,000 kindergarten teachers, you don't need 8,000 kindergarten teachers. When you have interject, you cannot have 
unsupervised kindergartners. In our room. <laughs> <laughs> Kindergarten's a bad example, but I mean, think about all the. It's, maybe it is in a different way. It's still a similar example when you consider things like baby Einstein and all that stuff. Like where you're still getting these learning mechanisms in a digital world where I I, I know that the the potential of not needing an army of teachers in the digital world could could be a massive part of the solution i i think of like um i know matt sorry did i just jump in there i was just gonna say uh i can't wait till my kids start or (laughs) i can't wait till i can let my kids listen to dan carlin that's exactly what i want to say you know as far as history said history i was like dan carlin i mean that (laughs) dude he he uh he is a self-professed non-history guy but his history podcasts are ridiculous and if there's i mean you can sit there for four hours and it will go like that yeah i can't thank you enough for turning me on to that guy dude and then i think it was austin you said maybe three years ago that you know i come from a place where you you had to develop multiple messages on multiple areas as far as ministry went and you're like well you know there's really like people are known for for one message you know, one, one mm-hmm. aspect of teaching that they're really known for that they carry. And uh, I think that's only going to be lifted, lifted more as we, we get further into this age. Um, you're going to have people like Dan Carlin. You're going to have people like Danny Silk talking about the family and relationships. Woo. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. Going back to um, um, directing kids towards like the history channel and stuff like that. We was homeschooling my son. We would, find all of these curriculums we were trying to find what was working for him because nothing was clicking and he hated school and he was dragging his feet and he'd go through a full day of his work curriculum and i'd be like okay so what did you learn about today he's like uh <laughs> i'm like so he was really just going through the motions because it wasn't interesting to him that book work and so one year we tried the um the unschooling philosophy where we're like well what do you want to learn about what are things that are interesting to you and then we would like we would get those episodes um, and he would be, he would be full of it. <laughs> He'd just be like, oh, and then this and this and this happened. And then this year, this happened. And like that mode worked so much better for him. And that's probably, we're going to see more and more of that because these kids are so media driven anyway. They're going to mm-hmm. learn better that way than book, book reading because they don't do that really. <laughs> well, and I kind of think it's already happening now. Like I look at our kids and they're obsessed with a couple of like family vlogs and then there's like that one kid who's like seven and is a millionaire because he does like toy reviews and so (laughs) so it's already happening and and as we step into it and maybe it's just the kid the the age of our kids that they're not watching the history channel or whatever um but it's happening well every friday and i got to choose and i ended up we watched like some disney like nature geographic followed like four animals in the nature and then I cried because the mommy died of the cats and I was like why did I we should just watch this, movie, this like, mommy cartoon. cat that killed countless animals <laughs> to <Okay>. survive <laughs> <laughs> all other deaths were insignificant <laughs> was it about lions no it was like it was born in China and so it was a what kind of snow leopard maybe it was a snow leopard it had a really long tail oh. But, you know. I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, you didn't Where? get that. <laughs> so I, I did want to say that we are 
we've been going for a while. I mean, maybe it's time to uh, kind of go around the circle. And if you've got that one thing that uh, has come up yet that you wanted to get out, maybe, maybe just uh, give us a taste of what might be found in your blog or something like that. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I think we kind of touched on a little bit, but I think in order to make um, education transfer smoothly and for us to, to come smoothly as well, we need to be reflective and be mindful and kind of know yourself on the in, inside so you can you can go with the flow on the outside, whatever that may look like, because nobody knows what that's going to look like exactly. I guess for me, the uh, it's a, I think it's a quote from uh, I want to say Bucky Barnes, but it's not. It's Buckminster Fuller. Uh, <laughs> that guy with the metal arm. Yeah. yeah yes. No. <laughs> Buckminster Fuller. I think he invented the Bucky Ball, which is why I always get that confused. Anyway. Um, but I think this is a quote from him. He says that ed- education is kindling is the kindling of a flame, not the filling of a vessel. And I think that could never be more true when <laughs> the it's not a, it's not about some some defined set of knowledge. Like back in the day when you had your textbooks, and once this textbook was in you, that was the facts. And now every, there's not a single industry where the facts aren't changing every day. Mm-hmm. So it cannot be about just inputting knowledge. It has to be about, a, about helping somebody become an actual human mm-hmm. and igniting the thing that will go with them everywhere they go. So. Um, I did talk about this, the, just the individualized education capabilities of um, the adaptive learning tools, but adding to that a little bit when we feel shame it actually shuts down our ability to learn and change and so when you're putting all of these kids that have different learning curves different learning styles and abilities on the same cookie cutter curriculum and expecting everybody to learn at the same level and when they don't keep up because maybe they're um, a more kinesthetic learner or they are more visual or whatever then they feel um, inept or not up to par and stuff like that. And so that's kind of feeling that shame, like you're not good enough and you're not learning as fast as this kid next to you, even though it's completely different. So I think that there's also the possibility of them learning not only easier because it's, it's tailor-made for them, but you're taking shame out of the equation because they don't have to measure up to anybody but themselves and they don't only have to keep up with themselves. So that's all yeah what's that yeah. quote um if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree or something like that That's, yeah it'll spend its yeah. life from einstein right mm. yeah, maybe i don't know well, we'll give him the credit why not <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> that's what the internet says everything's by einstein <laughs> or abraham lincoln yeah abraham lincoln. <laughs> did you hear that quote from him yesterday Sorry, joke. They can't. They can't can't put anything that's not true on the internet. Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Thank you for saving me. The internet would be so much smaller if that was true, huh? Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think like I I had kind of a similar conclusion of sorts to what Austin said, but maybe worded a little bit differently. I guess education is no longer about just being informed but about being empowered. And I think if, if we switch our mindset to that, basically, um, and if particularly if schools 
in general <laughs> would switch that, um, I think we would get to where we need to go faster. Do we have thoughts? And I was trying to kind of bring everything together and uh, realized, wow, we kind of went all over the place we today. Did. Sorry, I'm kind of moving around. You're all over um, the place. Yeah, <laughs> I am all over the place. <laughs> um, the point here is how do we teach our kids to love to learn? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I feel like that, that is the only, the only point here in a sense, yeah. because if they don't want to, and, and, and I, and I think that's, <clears throat> that's most of our kids or most of schools right now that we're full of, of kids that are more interested in other things, more interested in, in goofing off and all sorts of whatever. But we need to get to the point where we can instill in them that desire to learn. Because as far as the mechanics of learning, maybe soon, sooner than we realize, we can get to the point where uh, uh, the whole bandwidth issue that um, Elon Musk was talking about in that Joe Rogan podcast, the whole thing of, of getting the information from the internet to your brain, that that bandwidth gap uh, or that bandwidth issue is going to go away. And who knows? I mean, we might even get to the point of being able to download things into our minds right away. So then the whole mechanics of learning goes away, but um, the whole issue then becomes how do we use this information and why do you need to get all this information into your brain and what are you going to do with that information? And so uh, if we don't have kids, if we don't have people that respect that knowledge, that that um, that want to learn more and more, then all this ability to learn and all this info is just going to be for nothing, really. So, well, to take that one step further, I think uh, maybe one of the things they were talking about in that show that you referenced um, is that it wasn't even just downloading as maybe at some point having, you know, direct link to, from our brain to the cloud. And that's kind of a wild, yeah. wild idea right there. We're not even needing to download it. You just have it. And Ray uh, Kurzweil said, says something about that also, like, you know, maybe having nano technology that makes your brain cloud enabled. <laughs> True. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, then we'll have the ability to learn anything like that. In this same podcast with Elon Musk, he's saying, uh, Musk says, hey, well, you know, you're, you're probably going to get to the point where uh, virtual reality is going to be indistinguishable, indistinguishable <laughs> from reality. Or and better. I was, and I was better. talking to Christina earlier today, and I'm like thinking, well, if you have nanotechnology, why couldn't you just direct VR into your brain? That Stimulate your optical nerve and your hearing nerve and your feeling nerves <laughs> i mean think about it you can just so, be a battery for the machines dude pretty much <laughs> but then then you end like up with a machine <laughs> then you end up with a human that can learn anything instantaneously that can that can be a surgeon or whatever i mean i, I don't know how the okay. mechanics of that works but then the very important part of it goes to why do you need to know these things? Why do you want to know these things? And for what purpose? So I can I shout people down. <laughs> what? That came out loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think there's any sort of like theme that we have going with these 
podcast or anything. <laughs> why? 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 No. Are you, are you are you good, David? I don't want to cut you off. I'm good. Go for it. Cool, man. Well, go, going back to what Tina said a long time ago about the the input, if you will, not the input, but the output, but the input. You reminded me of um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She just recently had a uh, sleep specialist on her show, and he was talking about how this is totally random, but it kind of works. Um, <laughs> people that use sleep aids to fall asleep, like Ambien, for example. In studies, they found that like approximately 50% of the the neurons that were coiled up or however you phrased it, the things that you learned that day mm. were undone Ooh. when you used Ambien mm. or something like that to fall asleep. So, um, and I'll emphasize something like that because I don't want Ambien to be upset with me. But it's too late. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, what was that? Are they going to be a sponsor or what? Guess not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, I mean, I think uh, – Plato talked about how he believed when we were born, we already knew everything and that you just discover it and, and, and re, you realize that you remember it. Now, I think with, with knowledge as, as available as it is, discovery becomes even more important and our schools aren't currently equipped to focus on discovery. And so as parents, as adults in charge of our own education, it's important to really emphasize that discovery aspect of it. You know, I know uh, hopefully it's not been heard on the podcast, but I can hear our kids discovering some musical instruments. <laughs> um, oh. yes. um, but, you know, our, our daughter, you know, courtesy of her school, brought home her, pre, her pre-quarter, and that sparked an interest in our son who's been kind of wanting to get into uh, mom's ukulele. Mm. So that, that came out. Busted that out last you know? weekend. Oh. You know, and uh, just... You know, we're exposing them to everything we can. And I think that's our, our role. And I don't think that changes when you're adult. You need to continue to expose yourself in a mental sense. Um, <laughs> um, not, not, not a trench coat dirty sense, but they, uh, in, a, in a mental foreplay sense. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, uh, Jeez. And if people are, if, if, if you're interested in exposing yourself to more um, things out there, you can go to theepic.org and choose your own adventure and find all the cool things that we've curated and brought into the, to the website. You can check out our blogs and uh, maybe some of the other podcasts that you haven't caught. They're on there too. Right. And that's theepic, E-P-O-C-H. Dot org. The In case we forgot how to spell. Oh, the oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I was like, what? there's a right. T-H-E in there? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't shorthand that. <laughs> so yeah, theepic.org. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Ciao. Ciao.